Awesome, awesome, awesome. Once again, welcome. Welcome to church. Thrilled to have you. And uh, listen, let's just jump right in. Uh, here at Winter Park, uh, Sanford, South Orlando, and worshiping with us online all across the galaxy. Good morning. Hey, I want to ask you this. Let's just add a little crowd participation. Raise your hand, okay? Raise your hand if you enjoy doing math. Does anybody enjoy? Raise your hand if you enjoy doing it. I have so much respect for you. Like, you guys are all freaks, though. Like, I can't, I, I can't. Like, thank you. Thank you for going to school so that the rest of us could sit near you back in, like, like, listen, I, as a student, as a student, I all, you know how you take placement tests, right? And so you take placement tests. I always placed in the advanced programs uh, across the board, science, it wasn't an issue, history, it wasn't an issue, uh, English, it wasn't an issue, but math, like I always placed into the advanced group, but I was like the dumbest kid in the smart class. It was like, it was so, it was so difficult for me to process. I'm like, I'm in trigonometry, which first of all, like I, I'm never going to build a spatial. I don't even know why I need trigonometry, right? And I'm struggling for a B minus when I could be cruising in algebra two right now, like what's up, what's up, what's up? And so have you ever looked at something and you thought that doesn't add up? You ever looked at something and, and thought, man, it just doesn't add up. Like something seems inconsistent there. Like, like you're walking through the mall, or you're walking through a store and you see a couple and one of them is like way more attractive than the other one. And you're just like, that's not how life works. Like, I don't, no, you got to stay in your zone. Like there's levels and you got to, yeah, so, somebody's like, it's true, it's true, it's true. It's like, no, for real. Like the example I, is super practical, but my wife and I, like she's this, just this beautiful, amazing gift from God. And then me, like I don't have any cash. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attractive, but. Yeah, this is, this is life-giving for all the young brothers, all the single brothers in the house. Listen, listen, listen. If you pursue Jesus and you can make her laugh, you got a shot, bro. Like, you got a shot. Like, you got, like, like listen, if you love God with all your heart, right, and, and you're funny, like, it, shoot your shot, dude. Like, it's worth it, man. It's worth it. Like, listen, certain things that just don't add up. Like, don't add up. Like, like why is abbreviation such a long word? Just doesn't, I mean, it, just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, you ever watch, uh, you ever watch uh, House Hunters? I'm like, man, where do these people get this money from? Like, Rebecca is a part-time online spelling tutor. <laughs> Jack raises iguanas. Their purchasing budget is $875,000. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, listen, it doesn't add up. I'm 48 years old. I still don't know how to get a Sesame Street. Like, I, like I, I've got to know. Like, I've got to know. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like things that just don't add up. Repeat, repeat after me at all locations. It doesn't add up. That's what we're going to talk about today. Um, you guys know the entire world comes to Orlando for vacations. Also, the entire world comes to Orlando for commerce and for work. And right down on iDrive, we've got, to obviously, an incredible convention center. And so there's a thing that happens uh, locally called the Surf Expo. And a few years ago, I uh, went down to the Surf Expo. Man, super, super cool. Uh, like, you think about all the surf and skatewear brands, like in this giant, like, miles of, you think about, like, Volcom and Roxy, Rip Curl and Quicksilver and Vans and Oakley, like, all these brands, right? And so uh, I was invited to go down, I'm walking along, and there was this one brand that I've always wondered about. It's called Billabong, and it's just a weird word. It's an Australian company, and, uh, and I've just always wondered about, and so I'm walking along, and I walk up, and here's this uh, incredible, like, pop-up Billabong like store showing all their stuff that they're revealing for the new season and over here like I'm looking at the screen like there's over here there's a giant like movie screen sized uh, of a guy like surfing like the bonsai pipeline and then over here there's a there's this 
uh, couple that's uh, a huge uh, still photo of this couple that's like they're, they're snorkeling like the Great Barrier Reef. And so this amazing, like life-giving, fantastic, and then all this stuff. And so I walked up to this guy working at Billabong, and I said, hey, sir, can I ask you, like, like, what, what, is, like what is Billabong? The word... Uh, but he thought I was asking, like, about the company, right? And so he starts talking. And he's a corporate guy. They're, again, they're from Australia. And he starts talking about, you know, the company was founded here and this and that and this year. And I said, no, 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 I'm familiar with the company. In fact, I, I've got some of your stuff. Your stuff is cool. My question is, what does the word billabong mean? And again, um, Australian company, I, I don't know if he was from corporate, but this is, so I asked him, what's billabong? And, he, and this way he goes, okay, right, so... Uh, so, say for example, how would I, how would I explain to, uh, to a yank like yourself? Uh, so, say for example, there's a river, okay, there's a river, that sounds so Australian in my head, like, yeah, so, so there's a river, right, and a tree falls, the water's flowing, okay, the water's flowing, and that sound, does that sound Australian to you or not? Listen, in my mind, like some of you guys, thank you, some of you guys are like, I thought Pastor John was born in North Carolina, but no, 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 actually, uh, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney is where I'm from, and so... <laughs> Fish our friends, not food. Pastor Eddie, did I offend you? You're going to walk up and say, so, so listen, listen, listen. Listen, no, 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 focus, this is important. So this guy from Australia is telling me about Billabong, and he goes, so say, for example, there's a river, and the water's flowing, and a tree falls, and it uh, diverts the water, and now there's, uh, so over here, over here, uh, there's uh, like this little uh, a pool, okay? A pool formulates, but um, what would you blokes say? You wouldn't say a pool, uh, a mud puddle? A mud puddle. <laughs> Dude, that's like, like, this is straight on. Yes, thank you, thank you. So, so over here, there's like a mud puddle. And then sooner or later, um, like all the water evaporates. And so back over here, there's the river. And now there's like this uh, mud puddle. No water flowing into it. No water flowing out of it. And so it's just kind of a, 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 a stagnant mud puddle. <laughs> and I just stood there looking at him. And I'm like, sir... Um, you've got this amazing live video. This dude is like surfing, incredible, like, like crystal clear water. These people over here, like these, these irrationally attractive people over here are snorkeling the Great Barrier Reef. And like you can see like hundreds of tropical like fish and just life-giving and, and crystal clear and all that. And you're telling me that your, your company is named after a stagnant mud puddle? <laughs> and I can't, this guy goes, well, I mean, if you put it that way, I... I doesn't sound like a great idea. <laughs> Listen, there's, there's some things that you just look at them and you think that doesn't add up. And, and in the same way, listen to me, in the same way that, that a global surf and skatewear manufacturer that really champions and celebrates like, like crystal clear, life-giving, fresh, like water, uh, it, it makes no sense for them to name their company after a, a stagnant mud puddle. In the same way, I would tell you this morning that if you're a person who claims faith and yet you don't live a life of faith, that doesn't add up. Like it makes no sense. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to understand. Uh, in this room, uh, uh, South also, and, and Sanford, and, and worshiping with us online, uh, I understand that there are, are million, millions, there are many of you who, who uh, know the Lord, and you've been walking with Christ for a long time. Uh, probably there's a number of you that uh, you'll have an opportunity to respond to, to an invitation to Christ today. I know that we're all over the spectrum, but here's what I want to tell you. If you're a person of faith, it makes no sense whatsoever to willingly choose stagnant when God says, I've got something so much greater if you'll just trust 
me, right? And so this morning, we're going to be taking a look at, uh, we're going to take a look at Romans, Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. We're going to walk through that. This is the message translation. I would typically uh, teach from uh, the English Standard Version or, or the NIV, but as it relates to what we're talking about specifically, I just love the nuance of the language this morning. This is Romans chapter 6, and in, in Romans 5, Paul is breaking down the fact that sin entered the world through Adam, but then grace and eternity uh, entered the world through Christ. And so that's the context that we're coming out of with this very first uh, statement here. This is Romans 6, picking up in verse 1. It says, so what do we do? And, and, and the, the point there is, what do we do in light, of, in light of sin entering the world through Adam and in light of the fact that Christ came so that we could have life and life more abundantly, what do we do? Should we keep on sinning so that God could keep on forgiving? And if anybody ever asks you, like, hey, man, I think the Bible is outdated. Like, like I, love the, I love the sarcasm in that statement. Like, like, and sarcasm is the language that we speak in 2020. And so what should we do? Should we keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? Obviously not. I should hope not. If we've, lived, if we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? This is what happened in baptism. We went under the water. We left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. So here's what I want you to think about. Let me, let me kind of uh, put an illustrative picture to this. And so we're talking about the, the contrast between where you used to live and what God's made available to you. We're talking about the contrast between uh, life-giving water and kind of this cesspool, right? And so in this particular instance, what, the, what the, um, Paul's trying to communicate is, uh, you've been pulled out of, you've been pulled out of, of, of the projects. So I want you to think about wherever you grew up, and obviously we've got people that have grown up uh, literally all over the place. I want you to think about where you grew up, uh, what is the, what's the sketchiest, shadiest neighborhood, what's the hood from where you grew up, okay? And it would be, uh, I would, it would be characterized by, um, uh, you know, crime-ridden and, uh, and dilapidated buildings. And so I want you to think about the hood from where you grew up. That's a context for you. And then, uh, and then I want you to think about, okay, so, so now you've won the lottery, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for This is just a hypothetical situation. Relax. And so, so, so you used to live in the hood, and now you won the lottery, and now you live in a multi-million dollar home in a pristine neighborhood where everything is, is amazingly taken care of. Now, I can understand, I can understand why you would, from a heart's desire, from a mission standpoint, even though I'm living in this amazing neighborhood now, this fantastic home now, I can understand missionally, you would want to come back to the hood every now and then specifically to help the people that you have a heart for. You want to help them pack up, you want to help them to pack up, and you want to help them to move to the new place too, right? That's why you would go back to the old place, but I can't for the life of me, and this is what he's communicating in scripture right here, he says, I can't for the life of me figure out why, if this has been afforded to you, why you would want to maintain any kind of residence in the old place. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. If God has saved you, if, he have, if he's pulled you out of these dilapidated ruins into this new, fantastic, grace-filled life, why would you willingly return to the old place? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Listen to this. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means, verses 3 through 5. When we are lowered into the water, <clears throat> it's like the burial of Jesus, 
And when we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world uh, by our Father so that we can see where we're going in a new grace-sovereign country. Now, here's the thing. Uh, not, not as a pastor, not as a, 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 a leader at the church. One of the reasons why I love our church is the intentionality. As a husband and as a dad, I love our church because every single week when we show up, we see God doing fresh life-giving things. We see, we see marriages restored. We see families healed, uh, reconciliation, restoration. We, like every single week, we see God doing work. Now, here's what I want you to understand again. There's some of you that, uh, man, today will be the day that you'll place your faith in Christ. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for, for 30 years. We're all over the spectrum as far as that's concerned, but I want to give you this practical note. No matter where you are on your faith journey, there is always a best next step, no matter where you are. And again, obviously, if, if, you, if you don't necessarily have a relationship with the Lord today, and we'll talk about what your, your best next step, there's always a best next step. And that's true, uh, not just spiritually, that's true with marriages. There's always a best next step. If I'm disconnected with my spouse, my spouse, there's always a best next step with my finances. There's always a best next step with my health or with my career. There's always a best next step, no matter how far behind you feel like you are, or no matter how strong and confident you believe that you are. We're going to pick up uh, talking about uh, baptism, because that's the picture that we were just talking about, baptism. So say, for example, you've placed your faith in Christ, and, uh, and you know what the next step, the next step, if you place your faith in Christ, is to get baptized. It is your uh, I Love Jesus press conference, right? And, and people say to me all the time, like, Pastor John, I don't know if I'm ready to get baptized. Listen, you don't even have to pray about it. If you place your faith in Christ, the next step is to get baptized. And when somebody says to me, hey, I'm not really sure that I'm ready for that, I have, no idea, I have no idea what they're even talking about. You know why? Because you've done nothing to prepare yourself to receive salvation. You don't have to do anything to prepare yourself to prepare for baptism. You just have to say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. I want people to know about that. And so here we go. But people, here's the thing. When Christ comes in and he, and he breaks the mastery of sin in our lives, what we tend to focus on is the things that are broken in our lives. And so there is an enemy who is real. He wakes up every single day to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to remind you of your failures. He wants to remind you of your guilt. He wants to remind you of your shame. And he wants you to think, okay, so it's great that you place your faith in Christ, but you're not really living for it, so you're not ready for that. Listen, it's not about preparing to be baptized just like you would not prepare to take a shower. You haven't been at work all day or, or you're playing all day. And you, man, like you're nasty and you stink. You're not going to go and grab some wet wipes and hit your armpits before you climb into the shower. You just climb into the shower. That's what the shower is for. That's the beauty of the shower. I don't know if some of you guys have never showered before. Like, like, like listen, you don't even have to pray about that. Like, God wants you to do that. And so here's the thing. Um, I'll give you a couple of practical instances. So, so obviously, in, in, in the context of the scripture we're talking about, we're talking about baptism. Uh, okay, so what would be a next step if, uh, if you don't yet have a relationship with Christ? Uh, obviously, I would say, Stop trying to do this on your own. This world is hard enough. This world is hard enough. And, and this world will point you and point you, like, like pull you and tug you into this stagnant cesspool, okay? 
The world will not support you or push you toward life and, and faith and grace and freedom and beautiful, uh, pristine waters. No, it's just going to try to pull you into the mess. And it is relentless in doing so. And so if you're a person that you don't know whether you've got a relationship with Christ or not, I would say uh, don't miss the opportunity here in just a few moments to receive relationship in Christ, to step out of death and into life. What's, a, uh, what's the next step for someone who feels uh, disconnected? Some people, man, I feel like dis I'm disconnected from community. And in a large church like ours, okay, with multiple locations, it's very easy. What's the next best step? It's very easy to show up anonymously. And I would say the next best step, if you feel disconnected from community, is stop showing up to church anonymously. Like, it really would be easy. Like, every single week, I, I, I'm in, and then I slide back out, and I'm in, and I slide back out. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't gone through action steps. I'm not plugging in. I'm not part of a group. And then on a Thursday, I'm sitting at lunch. Yeah, I've been going to that church for a while. Nobody even knows me there. You know why? Because you've put no effort into being known. Stop showing up anonymously. The next step, like, if you feel disconnected from community, the next step would be to invest in community. Jump into a small group. Jump into a small group or go serve somebody. It's impossible to feel disconnected from community while simultaneously serving people. We're never more like Christ than when we forgive, and we're never more like Christ than when we serve others. It's, it's a fast track to connection. And then one more, one more next best step would be, what if, what if I, uh, man, I don't feel, people say to me all the time, I don't feel as close to God as I once did. And I would just ask very simply, uh, what characterized your life when you felt close to God? What characterized your life when you felt close to God? And what's different now? And, and, and uh, invariably, they'll say things like, man, back then, back then I was, I was at church almost every week. I was serving. I was reading the Word, not reading the Word as much as I should, but I was, I was trying to have a quiet time every day. Uh, I, was, I was praying. I was listening to Z88.3 because it's safe for the little ears in the back seat. Like, I was doing, like, I was doing my thing, right? I was doing my thing. And, and, and so what's different now? And I, you can always just see, just, oh, man, I, I've slipped. I've fallen off. And here's the thing. The, the world is fighting to, to, to keep you stagnant. And God said, I came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Don't settle for stagnant. There's always a best next step. And God's got fantastic and significant things that he wants to accomplish in and through you. And then uh, uh, verses 6 through 11, Romans 6, could it be any clearer? Like, don't settle for, for stagnant. If you're a person of faith, God wants you to walk in faith and to be a difference maker. We'll talk more about that here in just a second. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life, no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. Praise God for that. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. I love that phrase. I love that terminology. This is, this is actually why I chose this particular translation, this paraphrase. I love that statement right there. The signal of the end of death as the end. Uh, so, so sin entered the world through Adam, but Christ came so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have a, a hope-filled future, and so that we could have an eternity worshiping God. And I've had the honor, I've had the honor to perform a number of Memorial services over the years, some of them, some of them heartbreaking, some of them tragic, some of them, some of them where a husband and a wife or a wife, a man or a woman, 
Uh, they loved God, and they loved God desperately. And even as I'm standing in front of a, a packed house like this with the family right in front, it's still a celebration because of the power of faith, because of the trust of the fact that, man, the end is no longer the end. And we can anticipate eternity together forever. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but live he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother's tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. And again, if you're, if you're a believer, okay, so we have this enemy who wakes up, and he wants to remind you of your failures. But what you need to be reminded of is that Jesus broke the mastery of sin in your life. That no longer defines who you are. And let, me, let me make it, again, perfect, perfectly uh, practical. Uh, that's the way I lead. That's the way I teach. That's the way uh, we shepherd our home. And so, uh, so uh, my wife and I have got five kids. How many of you guys have ever watched uh, or helped a child learn how to walk? You guys, uh, anybody, anybody, anybody? Some of, you, do you, do you, some of you guys remember the time that you learned how to walk? I was like, listen, I was, I was 19 months. I was kind of ahead of the curve. And so, what, so show off. So uh, my wife and I, have got, we've, got, uh, we've got five kids, 19 17, 15, 13, and 11. It's kind of like a time release mechanism for creating humans. That's what we do. And so, and so, um, so I've literally been a part of this picture uh, dozens of times, seeing a child learn how to walk. And this is, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. So everybody's hanging out in the living room, or there's mom, or there's dad, or older sister, or, or grandparents are over. Like They're just hanging out in the living room, and, uh, and somebody's sitting on the couch, and the baby's on the couch. Uh, just kind of on a knee, just bouncing up and down. She's just having a blast. She's, and everybody's looking at the baby because everybody loves the baby because everybody loves babies. And that's why people just keep having babies. And so, so, so the ba- and now you can, she's, the baby's just starting to squirm. She's kind of like, she wants to get down. She wants to get down. So uh, whomever puts the, the baby down. And now she's standing, she's standing there holding the couch. Like, she, she, like, like it's cushy, it's soft. And it's like, she's like, hey, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just kind of trying to. And so, so she's like looking around, and all of them are like, you can do it, you can do it. Like, you can tell, like, she's figuring it out, like, this, I'm, I'm going to go for this. And so she's like, she's reaching over here, and it's like, it's like a, like a midget Elvis, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of whatever. whatever. So she's doing this thing, and, but, and it's great, and everybody's like, yeah, you can do it. You can. And then she gets to the end of the couch, and we got a situation. Like, she got a choice to make. Like, she got a choice to make, because I'm at the end of the couch, and the love seat is three feet away. Now, love seat's three feet away, but it might as well be like the span of the Grand Canyon. Like, that's, that's an eternity. And not only that, but right behind me, there's a coffee table. And it's wooden, but the, the corner of it is very sharp. And in this instance, all the moms are like, did you notice the, the wooden coffee? She, she's going to fall. And all the dads are like, you can do it. You can do it. And that's the difference between moms and dads. And so we'll talk about that another time. And so she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so she, so she turns, and she's, boom, and she's down. And then, and then she comes back, and then she turns, and she, boom, and somebody scoops her up. And then she turns and she sits down. Somebody scoops her up. And here's the thing, guys and ladies. Listen, listen, listen. One of these days, one of these moments, she's going to turn. He's going to turn. And, man, you get to the thing. And you look back and you're like, man, that was awesome. And here's the thing. As a dad, as a dad, I have never once looked at any of my five kids and say, obviously, you're not going to be able to figure out how to walk. So just stop trying. We have, we have this thought that my failures and my struggles disqualify me. But here's what you need to understand. Wobbly walking is still walking. 
Wobbly walking is still progress, and God just wants progress. Like, I've crafted you for something greater, but we're willing to just kind of sit and be stagnant, or we're hoping somebody's going to come and pick you up. We start to cry like the baby, and mom comes in, dad comes in and scoops him up. And here's the thing. Your faith journey is your faith journey. Nobody can scoop you up and carry you. It's your faith journey. Wobbling, wobbly walking is still walking. I wrote down a couple of statements here. Um, and and one, of my favorite, one of my favorite phrases, God kind of gave me this a few years ago, and it's this. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Like, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And if you're a guest with us, if you're first time at the church today in any of our locations, you're probably thinking everybody around me is perfect, and that's not true. Everybody around you, if they seem to be perfect, it's just because they've been the beneficiary of grace. Like, they've received They've received. Wobbly walking is still walking, and it's time for us to start making progress. It's time for us to start moving forward. It's time for you as a person of faith to stop looking to the left, stop looking to the right, and focus your heart and and direction on Christ and make progress. And in doing so, not only can God use you like, like to impact your world, God can use you to impact the world. I'll tell you what doesn't add up. What doesn't add up is to be a Christian who worries. What doesn't add up is to be a believer who stresses. What does not add up is is to focus on your failures. We serve, in addition to what we do here at at, at Action Church, man, we have a a vibrant mission and ministry to UCF. And people all the time are like, how how can you go share faith in Christ at a, at a, a giant state-supported university, 70,000 students. They're like, don't, don't people push back on that? Nobody pushes back on being loved, served, and encouraged. What they push back on is people who claim faith and then, and then live no different than anybody else. And if you can show them a consistent, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to apply the word and walk, even if it's wobbly, to walk accordingly, People will give you the benefit of the doubt, and they'll give you trust. And here's the thing. We stay awake at night about stressed, like, 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 like out of our minds. Why don't you give God the benefit of the doubt? Let's try giving God the benefit of the doubt. Because what does add up is the importance of focusing on our Father. And what does add up is, is the significance of God's grace in our life. And what does add up is believing that God is who he says he is, and that his word is truth and that his character is perfect, and he will never leave you or forsake you, and he is truly able to do immeasurably more than he could think or imagine. And so, if you're willing to trust that and get out of this stagnant life and start pursuing him, again, not only will he use uh, impact in your world, but he'll use you to impact others. And then uh, I want to share with you as we prepare to, uh, to close, if you're going to impact the world, if you're going to walk, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm sweating up here, and so I'm looking forward to uh, having a little water when we wrap up here in just a second. If you're going to walk, uh, then you, you've got to hydrate, okay? You've got to hydrate. Uh, the kids say, hydrate or dihydrate. I don't know. It's kind of harsh. Like, that escalates quickly right there. Oh, what do you, what do you got? Like, water, Gatorade? Like, I don't, I don't know. Just give me something. Give me something. So if you're going to walk, if you're going to make progress, then you need to hydrate. And that's what Scripture tells us, John 414 it says but whoever drinks the water i give them will never thirst 
Listen, I'm on that never thirst, man. I'm on that. I'm trying to stay hydrated. You know why? Because I'm no longer taking care of my own systems. I'm saying, God, I want you to use me. To, like, like, I want to be a source of encouragement and life to the people around me. And that's what it says. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Christ offers crystal clear, vibrant, life-giving, refreshing water And yet we often, because of our short-sightedness, we often, because of guilt, we often, because of the struggles and the challenges of life, we often are kind of resigned to this stagnant mud puddle when God says, I've given you so much more. Listen, uh, this is a a thought that that we apply in our home, behavior modification. We're going to talk a little bit here uh, as we finish up. Behavior modification is temporary. But heart transformation is eternal. As a dad, as a dad, there are things that I want my children like, like that's not a wise choice. In light of where you want to go, this decision that you're making right now, is that going to set you up for long-term success or, or is it not? Uh, listen, behavior modification, and we can, we can direct behavioral changes, but that's temporary at best. As, as a father, our prayer, our prayer as parents is God capture the heart. And that's God's, that's God's prayer for you. Behavior modification is temporary, but we always focus on the behaviors. Man, I got to fix this. I can't, I'm not ready to be baptized because I'm still doing this. No, God's saying that it's not about your behaviors. It's about the heart transformation. And when we trust that, like when we truly trust what God wants to accomplish in and through us, it changes everything. A couple more things that don't add up, uh, and then I'll share with you one final story. Why is, I would ask this question, why is lemon juice... Uh, made with artificial flavoring, but dishwashing liquid is made with real lemons. Like, I, doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Why do eggs, okay, why do eggs come in a, a flimsy foam carton, but batteries, like, they're in plastic that is virtually impenetrable. Like, what's, like, what's, yeah, yeah. And, and one more, just why, like, like, have, you ever, have you ever bought scissors? You have to have scissors to be able to get into the packaging of scissors. You're like, that's my problem. So you go next door, you're like, hey, can I borrow some scissors to open up the scissors that I just bought? It doesn't add up. But I want to tell you what does add up as we finish. I want to tell you what does add up. What does add up is, uh, is, is the enemy's desire to paralyze you through sin. What does add up is, is our sin account against us unless we're willing to ask Christ to forgive us of our past, our regret, our guilt, our sin, our shame. And even for a person of faith, lots of times we're still willing to give more credit to the failures and the enemy than we are trust to God and his grace in our lives. And that's why we get stuck in this place. Don't settle for stagnant. Let me show you this, uh, let me show you this picture. The first, uh, the first part of Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And if you're an employee, you know that you work. And when you work, uh, the reward of that is, is wages. Like you earn a paycheck. The flip side is also true from an economic standpoint. Spiritually, uh, the wages of sin, the wages of these poor decisions, the wages of sin is death. It's what we earn. Let me show you. Let me show you. Uh, I'll finish with this super practical illustration. So, um, just say for simple numbers right now, we got uh, we got a thousand people uh, at church. Uh, not real numbers, just for simple math. Because again, I'm not good at math, and I'm going to take you guys out to lunch today. We're going to want to go to lunch. We're going to you're already thinking about where to go to lunch, and so we're going to go to Outback. No rules, just right. Put another shrimp on the bobby, and so uh, PT. That sounds really good. We'll go uh, Bloomin' Onion, 
And that bread, just keep, it's always done when they ask, would you guys like more bread? I'm like, what are you talking about? Let's go with the bread. Let's go with the bread. So we got a blooming onion, we got the bread. I got a nice little, uh, I got a nice little um, pink lemonade. They always ask me, would you like pink lemonade? I'm like, that's my favorite. Why would I want regular when I can have pink, right? And so, and then we're going to have Alice Springs chicken, no mushrooms. And then we'll finish it off with a, a little uh, a little chocolate thunder from down under. Some of you guys are like, this guy's killing me right now. And so, so I'm going to take everybody to lunch. We'll say a thousand people, but not everybody can show up on short notice. And, uh, and so a um, thousand people minus a few. We've, we've predetermined that we can get a, a menu for $20 a head. And so 20,000. Not everybody can show up, though. So the meal's going to be 18,500. And I'm like, hey, let's go. I got it. We're hanging out. Like, we take over the Oviedo Outback. It's cool. And, and the server comes. And I'm like, I'm feeling good. Server comes. Like, hey, did you guys have a good time today? Yeah, we did. Absolutely. Here's the bill. And uh, I called up the bank. I was like, I ain't got it like that. But I called up the bank. And I was like, how many little boosts on my credit limit? Uh, and then server takes the card, swipes the card, comes back. Mr. Evans, you want to sign that? Cool. Sign it. And we're good. Everybody ate. Everybody's full. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's feeling good except for this. About three weeks later. When I go to the mailbox, you know why they call it a discover card? Because <laughs> when you get the bill, you discover you can't pay for the stuff that you bought, right? And so, so you come to the mailbox and you're like, here's a circular and here's a whatever fly. And then you're like, wow, this credit card statement feels, it feels really heavy. It feels really heavy. And you open it up, $18,726 at Outback. And you know what? I had the credit in the moment to cover the meal, but I can't pay that bill. And that's exactly true. The wages of sin is death, but the, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. This is what it looks like. Make this super practical. This is what it looks like, just for me personally. Um, grew up in a home uh, where my parents were divorced, no concept of what it's like to have a mom and dad same place at the same time. It's just bullet points of, of my story. And as a 17-year-old, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't know the Lord as a 17-year-old, my mom being the only parent that had ever really uh, loved me, sacrificed for me, worked hard for me to provide for me. And as a 17-year-old, I disrespected my mom so bad. I cussed my mom out so bad as a 17-year-old that she kicked me out of the house. Swiped the card, put it on my account. I, um, I, I used girls to entertain myself, like, like just purely at my own. Swiped the card. I was not good at math, so uh, I'm going uh, to look over here at this, uh, this quiz cheat on this, uh, swipe the card. Cheat on this homework, swipe the card. I swiped the card a lot with math because I was just really bad at math. Swipe the card, swipe the card, swipe the card. Thanks for laughing at my stupidity. <laughs> Scripture says uh, if you look at someone with hatred in your heart, it's as if you're killing them in your heart. Um, I just wanted desperately to have a relationship with my dad, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why my dad didn't want a relationship with me. And so I looked at my dad with hatred in my heart, and so I was I was killing my dad in my heart, swipe the card. People say all the time, like, it's, it's like the easiest out, which is really bizarre. Hey, I've never killed anybody. Have you sinned? Well, I've never killed anybody. Well, the, the, the scriptural standard is much higher than that. If you look at someone with hatred in your heart, you swipe the card. You put it on the account. That's, that's part of my story. There's, there's countless other things, but maybe for you, it's, it's bitterness. Swipe the card. Maybe it's, uh, it's greed. Swipe the card. Lust. Swipe the card. Dishonesty. Swipe the card. Maybe a, a, an unforgiving heart. Swipe the card. And we have this freedom to make those decisions in the moment. But what you need to understand is the bill is coming. 
There's going to be a day at the end of your days where you go to the box and you're standing there and that, that statement is opened up and it's in your name. And the answer is, can you hand, and you're like, I, I put it on my account, but I, I can't cover that. And that's precisely what Christ did for us. He said, I can cover that. You can never pay that on your own. But Jesus came and gave his life, lived a perfect sinless life so that we, we could be forgiven of our past, our regret, our guilt, our shame, swipe the card, swipe the card. And that's why it says, what should we do? Should we keep on sinning so that God could keep on forgiving? No, if you're a person of faith, stop settling for the stagnant life. And if you don't yet know if you've got a relationship with Jesus, now is your best next step. We're putting that on the account. And Christ said, let me settle that for you right now. Right here at Winter Park, South, Sanford, worshiping with us online. I want you guys to bow your heads. And if you're willing to acknowledge, and I'm sure that there are a number of guys and ladies that are worshiping with us at all of our locations this morning. If you're willing to acknowledge that you personally like, Pastor John, I don't know if I've got a relationship with Jesus or not. I do know that I've got a laundry list of things that, that will be counted against me. And I need God's forgiveness. I need a relationship with Jesus. You guys got your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let me just ask, raise your hand if you're willing to acknowledge, you know what, Pastor? I need a relationship with Jesus today. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Awesome. 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 Keep them up. Awesome. Keep them up. Awesome. Yes. Fantastic. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. Hands all over the room. Hands, uh, hands at each of our locations. If you're one of those guys or ladies in the transparency of that moment, just right there where you're at. Yep, I see that. I see you. Praise God. If you're one of those guys or ladies that raise your hand, just in the transparency of this moment, right there in your seat, right there in your heart, just pray this with me. God, I need you. Right here, right now, I ask you, come into my heart. Jesus, forgive me of my past, my regret, my guilt, my sin. Jesus, give me a new heart and a new hope. I've lived for myself from this point forward as best I know how. I'm no longer going to lean on me. I'm going to lean on you. Thank you for new life. And God, for everyone else that can hear my voice right now, thank you that you desire desperately for us to be difference makers. And in order for us to be difference makers, it means that we need to stop settling for a stagnant life and to truly trust you with what you want to desire uh, to accomplish in and through our lives. God, we thank you for grace. We thank you for hope. And we thank you for a hope-filled future. We pray these things in the name of the life changer, Jesus. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate what God did today.